Welcome back to the Matt Graham Podcast. We are back after a multiple month hiatus. And the reason that I took the hiatus is because I wanted to be able to provide you with a better version of the podcast. In the first two episodes, I was sitting in front of the microphone, much like I am right now, rambling on about personal development, fitness, mindset, all the stuff that I talk about in my videos. And while that's fine here and there, I figured after a long enough timeline, you would get sick of it. It would grow stale. And I wanted to give you a better viewing experience. And so I wanted to have the capability of bringing guests in. I wanted to avoid doing the whole Zoom podcast thing. And I wanted to be in studio with people talking to them face to face. And that's what we're doing today and in the future. So today, my first guest is my wife, Shana. And many of you may not have even known that I was married, but I am. And so today we're going to talk about our story, how we met, the things we've learned on our journey, what we would advise to people who are starting out a relationship or looking to find a relationship. And most importantly, she is going to confirm for everyone that the version of myself that I regularly talk about in my content, the weed smoking, video game playing piece of trash that I was is 100% real. And she's going to tell that whole story from her perspective. So I hope you enjoy. So this is my wife, Shayna. Hi, guys. If you see me glancing over at the screen, it's because I'm making sure things are still working. Um, So basically, this is your first time ever being in front of a camera. No. First time on a podcast. Well, yeah, I know. I was was saying that. First time having like a dialogue on camera. Ish. This is also my first. Well, I've done podcasts, but I've never like, done my own podcast. And all that stuff was a good, I guess, warm up to this, I think. Yeah, it was a little more performative than conversational. True. But we'll get into the whole taste buds history with Doug when he, Dougie. When he comes on the podcast. Comes on the pod. Yes. So I don't know. I think for this first one, I just wanted to do like a basic introduction and like, telling the story and whatnot. Um, So we'll kind of get into that. I just want to preface first that um, she is going to have some weird jargon, probably. (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. She comes up with a lot of her own words. Called Minglish. Minglish. Um, There's a history to that that name, Mm. right? Because she's very big into pet names. Yeah. For both humans and for <laughs> actual pets. pets. <laughs> and so what's mine? Jade. JD. JD. Okay. How and did not you like, come? Not like the initials like JD. It's like, it's JD, like J-A-D-E-Y. And how did you come up with that? Uh, at this point, it's so, I don't even remember. Like it started off as, I think when we first started dating, it was Biebs. And then it was, I'm pretty sure I called you like, I think there was like a three month span where I called you potato Yes, <laughs> for a while. Indeed. And then it went to um, like Biebs turned into like Bajinta and then Bajinta turned into Jinta and then, and then maybe like Jade or JD. I don't know. I don't know. It just like it. There's like an evolution to it. And either then all way, of a sudden one sticks. Either way, JD is the one years. that stuck. JD is the name that stuck. Yeah. 
And like my friends will even start calling him JD. Like it makes no right. sense. But and now it's I'm going to get a bunch happened. of comments of people calling me JD, which <laughs> yeah. is, you know, it's fine. Um, but yeah, JD has no, has no bearing on reality. It is not anywhere near my name. It is, there's no like reference to anything. It is just JD. Um, but I tried to do the pet name thing too once and I called you. Well, so you were a dancer and you can, you, you one night stood with your leg on one leg, like my Epcot socks. Um, you stood on one leg and then you put the other leg, you know, kind of like, what would yeah. you call this? Like, 40, I yeah. don't know. You put one, one leg on I'm the resting on like my knee and in the inside of my knee. Uh, it looked like a flamingo, yeah. right? So that was the whole thing. And so I called her Mingo and that lasted a good five minutes. <laughs> so that's where we started my weird says and I make up a lot of strange things. And so we, we called it Minglish. Yes. Off, so off Minglish. Mingo. Anywho. So, um, now that we've prefaced it with your weird things that you're probably going to say throughout the duration of this podcast. Um, I kind of just, well, I guess we should start off by telling, you know, the story okay, of. I thought you were going to ask me to like say fun facts about myself or like introduce yourself to the class. Nope. Okay. Good. Nope. We're just going to get into the story because I mean, what, what's your background aside from me? You danced. Yeah. You danced, school, you went to school danced, and then. worked, and then college, you, worked, Matt. JD. Yeah. And then, uh, all right. So let's start at Matt. Matt. So we met in 2016, 16. maybe 15. Could have been 15. Either way. Um, we met in 2015 slash 16 around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out after high school. A lot of you know this, um, as a boxing trainer at a, fitness franchise called title boxing club. Um, and that's what I was doing from, I would say 19 to shit, like oh, no, I probably did that for like, I don't know. No, not 23. Not 23. When did I, when did I leave those 2021? So, um, I, st- I, I stopped at the beginning of 2022, I think. So really, I did it for quite a while. So mm-hmm. probably six, seven years. Um, but within the first year, I had met Shayna, among a bunch of other people. She was a member at the club. Mm-hmm. And uh, also my boss's cousin. So I I sort of, uh, you know, broke the rules in engaging with her. But... If you know anything about that business, the DFTM. <laughs> DFTM stands for don't fuck the members. <laughs> oh, we can swear on the pod. Okay. Or we're going to bleep it out. No, of course we can swear on the pod. It's fine. Okay. We're real people. Yeah. That was the rule. Cause if anyone's ever been in like a fitness, especially a club environment, um, there's this weird cliche with like trainers dating their, their clients. And like, we just didn't want any of that happening at the club, which should happen anyway. But yeah, that was the rule. DFTM. DFTM. Don't fuck the members. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I was, do you, do you, should we talk about age? Cause that's a big part of, we can talk about age. All that's right. Fine. That's a big part of our story. So Shana is four and a half years older than I am. 
Um, and we'll talk more about, you know, that later on. Um, but so you are currently 31, 31 and I am 26 and you're born in February and I'm in September. So four and a half years. Um, so when we first met, I was 19 and she was what? 24. <laughs> I was 19 and she was 24. And, um, we were, we were truly just friends. Yeah. We were just friends at the time. When I, the first time I like laid eyes on Matt, I walked into the club normally to go to class and I looked over, I put my bag down in my corner and I looked over and I'm like, who hired the child to work the front desk? Like he just looked so young. And I was like, and that's really the first thing I ever recall of when I first saw him, that was my reaction. And yeah, I'll throw were, a picture up on the screen of what I looked yeah, like at 19. He was, he was a baby, like very, it's such a baby face. No, this beard thing was not a thing. Yeah. He was very young looking. Yeah. And I just, I looked at you and I was like, well, she's thinks she's too good for everyone. <laughs> I would walk in with like my big sunglasses and just sort of yeah. like, she's go got to her, my, she's got her big poofy hair, all this volume, probably wearing extensions given the time. Probably. And, uh, you know, she always wore, she always liked to, um, dress a little bit. Fancy. Well, I was usually coming from work. And at the time I was working in an office, like I was, yeah, like had to look like a person. So every now and then I'd walk in with like heels on or like something. And people would be like, you walk into a boxing club, stuff, but yeah, I would obviously change, but yes. And then I'm, I'm very, it's funny when people meet me, they, think I've heard from, bitch. well, before they meet me, they think that, but once they like actually get to know who I am, they're like, Oh, like you don't, you're not like that at all. Like I get like the RBF, like the resting bitch face. Cause I'm usually like focused on what I'm doing. Like when I walk into the club, I would just put my bag down, get to my routine. I wouldn't really like look at other people. So it can come off as me being kind of biatchy, but yeah, I'm quite so, a goofball actually. I don't remember the exact um, thought that I had when I first saw her aside from, you know, she just looked like a rich girl or whatever. I don't know. That's just the vibe you gave me. Cause you had the big sunglasses. You had the nice blown out hair. And, um, yeah, that's just the vibe you gave me. Mm-hmm. And then there was a period in time where I don't really remember what happened, <laughs> but eventually we started talking to each other. We were, I remember what happened. You posted on Facebook, something about how you were predicting that I Snapchat. Posted, it posted a YouTube video. Yeah. Posted a YouTube video mm-hmm. and it was predicting that, that, but I believe the title of the video was Snapchat will be the new Facebook, mm-hmm. which obviously I was correct about. Yeah, you did oh. good on that one. I I nailed it. I nailed it. Snap. Everyone uses Snapchat these days. Mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't touched Snapchat in years. Neither but have at I. The time, I haven't even. It was before like stories on Instagram or any of that. So Snapchat was fun. Yeah. Well, Snapchat was the only one doing stories and filters. Then, like they all had all the that filters. Stuff. They were Remember doing the dog ear one. Yep. That they was were doing like that, era. that. Was the basic bitch filter? Yeah, for sure. So and, that was so you made that post on Facebook, and then I think like a bunch of people, like members and stuff, were commenting their Snapchat username. So like, yeah. I just like shame, I just threw mine in there. Cause like we're all friends and it, whatever. And then that's where we really started communicating was just like through funny Snapchat stories. Like it was truly just like funny back and forth, like band. platonic, like it, completely, completely, totally completely. platonic. And then finally, like I would see him at the club and we'd actually start talking like in person. And then we truly just became like really good friends. We were like texting all the time, just about like normal, like friend stuff. Yeah. Well, you were good friends with me. I was I was on the fence about the whole friendship thing. Yeah. Um and pretty quickly. Yeah. 
I don't I don't remember the time. This was like summertime of that year, of like 2016, I think. Yep. And then, you know, as women, we always I I always can tell when like a guy is starting to not just want to be friends. He never came on to me. He never flirted with me, like never one time ever, which was such a relief because for me, it's like, it was fun being able to get close to someone without feeling like you have to like look pretty or like act a certain way. Like we truly got really close, like as truly as friends. Um, so that was, but then over time it got to the point where it was like, he would text me the moment his eyes opened in the morning and then would not stop texting me until he fell asleep with the phone in his hand. And then I just started to get this, like, something's going on. Like, he's totally not, like, this is a little different. And so I called him out on it one yeah, day. Yeah, I started simping, basically, <laughs> is what is the Kinda. point. Kind of. I still have so many screenshots of our, like, beginning conversations. I can't even look at them because they're so corny. Oh, they're so cringy. <laughs> but they're so I remember cringy. I called you out on it. I was in the drive-thru to Dunkin' Donuts on the way to work. And you immediately sent me back a picture of your chest. Because when Matt gets, like, anxious or nervous, his, like, his chest will just break out in hives. And I still have the picture of you pulling your blue t-shirt, title t-shirt down and your chest was just covered in hives. And you were like, I'll throw it on the screen. You were like, I'm really mad that we're talking about this right now. (laughs) Cause I pretty much, I was like, I don't want to keep dancing back and forth. I know something's going on. Just talk to me about it. You know? Yeah. So I was a, I was a pansy and a simp. Yeah. You were so young. I was so young. So we'll get. Cue to my response. So we started, I called him out on it. He's like, I don't know. Did the whole thing. Like I just. Can't stop thinking about the the whole thing, you know. He just started opening up to how he was really feeling. And then I, again, I was older than him. I'd already done college. Like, I knew he'd only had, like, one or two girlfriends at the time. Um, I'd only been in, like, one or two serious relationships, too. But I just, in my experience in life, like, I wanted him to go be a guy. Like, he was 19. Like, there's so much life for him to go do, you know, like... So many friends to make, so many nights to go out. He didn't even, he'd never even been to like a bar to the city. Like he'd never did the whole guy era ever. Like he graduated high school, and like went to work essentially. So for me, I was like, we, my whole family had a running joke with the two of us because we did get so close. They just kept saying three-ish years, three-ish years. That was always the joke. Like make, let him grow up a little bit and then you'll start dating. Or yep. maybe it was two-ish years, one of the two. And then it literally it turned three. into three weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was three weeks. I act quickly. Um, yeah, he did yeah. not take no for an answer. I, I typed out the whole thing. I was like, one day, like, let's just stay close. Like the whole thing. Like I, you know, I love you to pieces. I always want you in my life. Just like go live your life. And then we'll, we can, nope. He showed up at my house like an hour later Yep. <laughs> and just was like, no, like I'm, he was not taking no for an answer and he wasn't arrogant about it. He wasn't like anything like that. It was just like, he, I, I still have the text. You, I, if it's not corny, we can put it up on the screen. You sent me this text and in the text, you said, I don't care if we date right now and three years from now, if we get married, if whatever, he said, all I know right now is that I need you in my life. And friends super wasn't Super corny, it. super corny. So it was very sweet. And, and I could tell that he was very, there's one thing about Matt, like when he says he's going to do something, he does it. And he doesn't just say it as fluff. He doesn't say it as like, you know, trying to sound cool. It's, it's truly like when he sets his mind to something, it's tunnel vision. Like everything gets blacked out and it's tunnel vision. And I could just tell that, like I knew that he was very serious and he wasn't like playing games. And then, you know, and then shortly after that, you had to go move your family. Um, you had to go fly. So you left. Well, I think we're missing a key, uh, detail here that we haven't mentioned. What? Is that I was dating someone I didn't know we were going to get into this. I wasn't. I'm not going to go into, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. drop names or yeah. anything, but I was, I 
never cheated. So like if mm-hmm. that person is watching this, no, never. never once cheated, never probably think that I did given the timeline, uh-huh. never once did. We were friends and then I ended it and then I started moving in. Mm-hmm. I started I started my uh like that was my short, infiltration. Shortly after that is when I called you out on it. Yeah, I think it was like two weeks or something yeah. like that before like we started going mm-hmm. from like friends to okay, now this is gonna be a different thing than originally um discussed. But yeah, no, um just to sort of summarize that whole thing, um, she said no to me initially because I was too young and she wanted me to go be a sleaze bag for a couple of years. And then well, just maybe guys did do. Yeah. That's what guys that you hung yeah. around with did. Well, most. Well, yeah, but I wasn't interested. I was never interested. I'm still not interested. I don't care. You know, uh, it's not something that I, you know, I had friends that did it and I saw what that sort of led to, which was just like either, um, ambivalence, they could take it or leave it or regret, you know, uh, emptiness. And there was no, the, the ROI on, you know, sleeping around in your early twenties, uh, to me was just not, it was not worth it. Um, and obviously, you know, I have different reasons for not doing it now, obviously, cause I'm married, but like if I was single, I'd have, I have different reasons for not doing it now than I did when I was 19 but, um, you know, it just didn't, uh, just like drinking and, you know, smoking weed or whatever at the time, um, it just didn't seem worth it to me. So I didn't participate. I just basically ate, slept and worked. That was my, that was my reality. Um, and then this one rolled into my life and I stopped the whole work thing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, okay. So where are we at in the timeline? Uh, you said that I had to move my family. So yes, mm-hmm. that's true. I don't think that's an important detail of the story, but it is true. Um, what, a couple of things did happen on that trip that I, that I think are notable. Um, uh, just one actually. And I think we should also mention this too. Um, I remember being in a hotel in somewhere. It might've been South Carolina. No, it wasn't South Carolina. It was somewhere between Indiana and South Carolina because that's where I was moving my parents from. And, um, I remember texting my mom one night, you know, telling her about Shana and I was like, you know, uh, ranting and raving five-star review, you know, highly recommend. Um, and she was like, are you asking, are you asking my permission to marry her? And I said, no, <laughs> I've known her for like three weeks. No, I'm not. Um, but I did say that I don't have any reason to think like that. She's not the one that I'll marry and, um, good prediction, but there was an even better prediction. And I hate giving credit. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hate giving credit for this prediction, but go ahead. Yeah. So my mom, so Matt was, has always been like very savvy on his storytelling, especially with video, things like that. So he'd go on Facebook all the time and post like videos from YouTube or long posts about whatever. And he was writing a lot of stuff about his dog at the time. And my mother, we are all my whole family. Yeah. But what, what cued my mom was the video that that you made about Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. 
So she's like, I really like this kid. Like he, he really knows how to like, like he wrote such a beautiful thing. And then he did write something about his dad. And then my mom met him. But did she, did she not know you? She came to the club and saw you at the desk. And as, before, as she was leaving, she looked over at him and she said, my daughter's going to marry you. This was, by the way, months before I had even spoken to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't even know her and like yet. He was dating somebody at that time. So this was way before he and I. So my mom had seen his stuff on Facebook because at title, we were all friends. Like Facebook was a huge, huge, huge thing with the club. If you tagged yourself at the club, you had a hundred likes because everyone was there and it was a big community. So my mom recognized him from his posts on Facebook and she, she was leaving one day and she said, you're going to marry my daughter one day. And she, he was like, he was this 19 year old kid. Like one, who are Hello, you? Two, who are who's you, your lady? daughter? Three, I have a girlfriend. <laughs> like it right. was a very off putting, like weird comment. And sure enough, here we are. Very bizarre. Yep. Yeah. But I still have the text that you sent Kyle. Yep. That was another one. Yep. You sent, I mean, he didn't send me these texts like as it was happening. This was down the road. Like he sent me the screenshots of what he said to his best friend. And he was like, dude, I'm so in love with this girl. I don't know what to do. Yeah. So corny. And again, this was not within the confines of my previous relationship. No, it was not. It was not. Um, No, it was Yeah. I mean, I will say that there were a lot of people, including myself, who kind of um, had the gut feeling and knew that, you know, this was going to be the right move. Everyone except you. Mm. Yeah. You were the only one that was skeptical. Yeah. Everyone else was like, makes sense. Well, I wasn't the only one. I remember. Um, I mean, it was hard. Everyone from, for me, everyone in my life, I was always, I never dated in high school ever one time. Never, never dated in high school at all. Had my first boyfriend when I became a freshman in college. Um, but the, for me, like I grew up, I've always been a little bit more mature than my age. Um, you know, when I was a baby, when I learned to crawl, I wanted to walk. When I learned to walk, I wanted to run. When I learned to run, I just like wanted to do the next thing always. So what everyone in my life always said, she needs someone older than her. She needs someone older than her. And I always did. I dated years older than me. And then Matt rolls around and there's just this little, he's so guys, when the picture, it's like, he's so young, he's so, so young and no one really knew him. And he was very, very reserved and quiet. And, and we'll get to that, um, at the time. So people were like, didn't get it. Like knowing who I was, they were like, nothing was wrong with them, but they just were like, why? Like, what's the connection? Like, this is weird. And so my closest friends, like I remember Caitlin was cutting my hair and she's like, he's a baby. And she was the she and I had the same opinion. It was like, he needs to live his life. Like he needs to, he's wonderful. We love Matt. He's a great kid. He's awesome. He's part of the group now. Like it was never a dodge on who he was. It was just the timing of it. Like he was such a young kid. So, and for, but for me, like when I was with him and I listened to him talk to me and like what he wanted for us and for his, he had goals for his parents and all kinds of things that he wanted to accomplish in life. I couldn't deny it. Like I was like, I know this sounds crazy. I know this looks crazy, but I got to give it a shot. Cause I mean, it just feels right, but on paper it looks so wrong. So it was just one of those really weird weird things for me. I, it was tough for me. Cause I just, the age gap was different. It was tough. And then the whole, you know, we had a, we, we had to go through a lot together. Yeah, we did. I think that I've always had a clear vision of, I've had a very mature vision, I think, and like a very mature brain. Um, you know, I always hung out with older people in school. I never had any friends that were my age. 
Um, even <laughs> that's still the case today. Mm-hmm. You know, like all we hang out with is, is like people 10 years older than us. Yeah. And, um, I've always, I've always been like that. And I think that my demeanor has always been, you know, ahead of my years, but I, uh, certainly my physical attributes needed to catch up. And, um, so did my, so did a lot of my other, um, character traits. Um, I don't, I, I don't know exactly, you know, which ones, um, I guess we'll just kind of, that was a t- terrible transition into the next piece of the story, but, um, we're now dating. Right. And so when did you start to realize that, um, it wasn't going to be sunshine and rainbows and I was going to carry you into the promised land right away? Um, I would, the first memory that comes to mind was when I went to dinner with my yep. two girlfriends, like my, like my older girlfriends, like we went to dinner, literally like got pasta and like had a martini and then I came home. And when I got dropped off in the driveway, I noticed he was in his car with the, with the car running. And I was like, what is he doing? Why is he in the car? And I sat in the car and he was just beside himself. Like he was so full of anxiety and like looking back, it's like, I can sit here and I can tell you exactly what was happening. But at the moment, I'm like, what's going on? Like, you would have thought that I went out on a three-weekend bender, a three-day three bender, didn't call him, didn't text him, was drunk off, like, just going crazy. But all I did was just, he knew who I was at dinner with. Like, he know, knew the girls. Like, they weren't college crazy friends. They were, like, literally my friends that I grew up with. We went to dinner, had a drink, came home, and he was, he couldn't function. Like he was just in, I don't remember if you were crying, if you were like hyperventilating, what he just was so worried the whole time, like just so riddled with anxiety that I was like, and it was not a control thing. It wasn't a, where were you? What were you doing? What if you cheated on me? Like it wasn't that from that place. And it it took my friends a long time to understand that in my family, because it could come off as a control thing. Like he doesn't want you to leave. He doesn't want you to go anywhere. He doesn't want you to do anything with your friends. And it wasn't that. He was just so afraid that something was going to happen to me while I was out. Because remember, he didn't go to bars. He didn't go to parties. He didn't do any of that stuff. So when I went even to my friend's house and she had like her husband's friends over, he had no idea what to expect. He thought he didn't know what was going on. So for him, just the unknown of all of it, just put him over the edge completely, completely. This is where a lot of the the inexperience started to show. Yeah. Um, in terms of its ugly head. It was rough. Like I remember one year we went to Amanda's for her Christmas party. Like my best that friend. That was the first year. Yeah. My best friend had a Christmas party at her house every year. And it was it was nothing crazy. Like they were drinking and it was all of us from my my hometown, but like it was nothing. It was just Christmas parties, decorations, appetizers, food, drinks, beer, whatever. And it was just a hangout at her house. It was nothing crazy. And he would just Oh my God. And I'm such an extrovert. Like I'm such, I'm one of those people that if I'm in a room and not everyone's comfortable and happy and, and okay, like I'm freaking out. Like I need you to feel comfortable. I need to make sure that you're okay. What do you want to eat? What can I get you? Like I'm, I'm offering you clothes. Like, what do you need? You know what I mean? Like I'm one of those people. So for him for, to be my date and he comes to my best friend's house and is just sitting there like in the corner like this. People are, so for people that are just listening, like she is he would blankly- just, and his face was like anger, but like, he wasn't angry. He was just 
now I understand he was just like holding in a full blown anxiety attack, but he was trying to keep himself cool for me. But what it was looking at like on the outside was just unapproachable. Don't talk to him. Don't go near him. And I would try to break the ice and be like, Matt, this is, this is Sam. Like he runs, he has a social media company too. And he takes pictures and he would just nothing. Like he would Mm. just be, and it was mortifying for me. Like, cause when we're together, he's perfectly fine. And then you bring him out to like a small gathering and it was, oh my gosh, it was horrible. It was was a liability for sure. Um, and I, it's funny cause I think that a lot of people, um, watching or listening to this kind of are probably having a hard time picturing this because they're so used to who I am on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, yeah, I, but this is, is, this is partially why I wanted to bring her on first so that when I talk about, you know, who I was, obviously, like I post the pictures all the time and I post like certain video clips, but like that was real. That was oh, so yeah. real. It doesn't and we even haven't do even, it justice. We haven't even honestly. gotten into the into the like moving to Florida part, yeah. which was a whole other debacle mm-hmm. that we'll that we'll get into. And yeah, this was this was just all, all, all the time. If, if, if we were not home at my house together on the couch, being us watching movies, doing the thing, he was anxious. It didn't matter where I went, what I did. And again, it was not a control. Who are you with? What are you doing? What guys are there? It was never that it was just, it wasn't about me wanting to control her. It was about me wanting to control the, uh, environment, wanting me to control the factors, uh, that were involved. And I think that that was obviously like when you have an anxiety disorder or any level of anxiety, um, that's kind of what's at the root cause of it. You, you have a hard time letting go of control of whatever it might be. That's why I never liked flying because, you know, I'm completely out of control. I'm flying through the air at 500 miles an hour, 30,000 feet, 37,000 feet in the air in a metal tube with wings And there's nothing I can do. Like if this thing is going to go down, I'm going down with it. And that's why to me was one of the, you know, more anxiety provoking activities that I could participate in. And uh, I still don't like it, but you know, you have to, if you have anxiety, get over the, not not get over because everyone uses that term, but you just have to learn how to give up control. You have to learn how to accept the fact that you don't have control over this scenario. And so, you know, what now when she goes out, which is never, <laughs> it's really we are home all the time. Even this studio is in our home. We never leave. Our gym is here. Everything's here. So, um, you I'm know, also not the type to like go out. Yeah. Not anymore. I mean, um, even, like when if we I started went out, it was to go to dinner with friends or like to my friend's house. It was never, yeah, I got you that like, out of my system you, in college and that was before you. Yeah. Well, we don't talk about the college years. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, you went out dancing like a couple of times and you know, whatever. Yeah. It might've been a birthday or, or like bachelorettes and sprinkled in there. But yeah, you had a, you had a brutal time and this was, we, it's funny, like looking back and telling the story, it's like, duh, he had anxiety, but like, he didn't even know he had anxiety until he had anxiety. Like we were, we were working this through like in real time. Like we had no idea how can I help him? What have I, what am I doing? What can I change? Like, should I be texting him every five minutes to check in and make sure he's okay? I'm okay. Like yep. it was, Oh man, it was brutal. And then I had like people in my, and and they were right to do that. You know, they, they saw I actually me. never heard about a, a lot of this, like how, how other people perceived it. 
Yeah. I mean, no one really ever said anything. Like no one was ever like, seriously, Shana, like him, like why? But for me, like I would say that, like if my best friend brought that version of someone, I'd be like, uh, what am I missing? Like, he kind of seems like a jerk. You know what I mean? Like I would have yeah. been just cause I'm one of those friends. Like I'd be honest, but even like what at, for Christmas, like I remember I have, I have the picture, like Matt, when we first started dating, always had a camera in his hands. Like that, the, that cannon behind him was glued to his hand. It's it was not that always one, but it was a similar one. Whatever. And so I'd pick it up and snap pictures. And this one Christmas, we always had Christmas at my house, Christmas Eve. And there was a picture on the screen. There's this picture that I took of him and he was just like pouting. And at the time I'd be so mad because I'd be like, really, can you just get over it? Like, can you just put a smile on for two hours for Christmas so that you can like meet my family and like not have this gross look of disgust on your face. But like, of course, now I understand that like what he was going through internally was just not equivalent to what I was requesting. But again, it was so, and I, I honest to God, I look back on it and I ask myself like, what made you stay? Like what made you? Well, hang on. We haven't even gotten to, to the worst. of Oh, it. I know. But I, I still, <laughs> it's just this bizarre, I don't know, but yeah, it, it, it was anytime I did anything, it was a full blown, full blown anxiety always. Mm. Um, and then as soon as you thought, and again, I didn't really go out a lot. So we'd think we were past it. And then I'd go to dinner again. And here we are, you know, I'd come home and he'd, he'd be in his, in tears or just like, you know, something would happen while I was gone. And I'd be like, you know, it was, it was brutal. It was so brutal. He just didn't know what was going on and he could not, it, it was bad. So that was for what we started, we were dating two years before we moved. Uh, more, in 2018. honestly, more like 18 months, like yeah. a year and a half. So yeah, we started dating in September years. of 2016 and then we moved in July of 2018. 18. And so I think things kind of quieted down in the, in the latter half of 2017. I think the, the first six months were really the, not the most brutal, but, um, I think I got a lot of that. Out of, the, out of my system. And I wonder how, how often or how many things did you avoid doing because I, because you didn't want to deal with me? I can't think of anything that I didn't, I genuinely said no to because of you. The only thing that sticks out to me that does bother me that we did is we left Amanda's rehearsal dinner because you just couldn't for her wedding. Is that, did that really happen? Yeah. We went to um, I remember being Cipino's and she rest, she rented out the part of the restaurant and there was all of us. It was just a dinner. It wasn't anything crazy. And you, you thought you couldn't do it. Like we had Josh, we had all Josh and all of us, like people that you knew from Amanda's parties and things. And we left, you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, I don't know if we left because you were like hyperventilating, freaking out. Or if it was me being like, I can't deal with this. Like he's just sitting there miserable, embarrassing me. Like we just need to leave. I don't know if it, what which one of it was, but I think about that and I feel badly that we left. Yeah. But that's the only thing that I didn't not do. Yeah. And if we were going to do something, it was certainly like a endeavor. It was a project. You know, it was, yeah. it was, how do we avoid, mm-hmm. you know. Like it was, a, I remember a portion of it, me being like, okay, what does he have to do? Do I have to give him like a task? <laughs> like did, is, would it be better for him to like be working while I'm gone? Should we, should he go see a movie? Should he go be with his aunt? Like, what should he do? You know what so I mean? Like, like, does this sound a lot like a relationship or does this sound like parenting? Mm. You know, it sounds a lot more like parenting. 
And I think that, you know, this was sort of the theme um, for the first couple of years of our, of our relationship was, it was very much so a, you know, a, a mommy son dynamic than it was a, you know, man and woman dynamic. Yeah, no, definitely not. So, um, that obviously put a lot of tension on things. And then I guess we'll fast forward to, um, well, we did our Disney trip. Disney trip. Yeah. And we met Doug and Emily. Right. Oh yeah. We should probably preface that story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, I have, um, I have some other videos that go into it if you're interested in those, but, Mm. um, those are great. Yeah. So, we went on a Disney trip in 2017, which well, by the way, you're not giving yourself enough credit. So as, as horrible as Matthew was as a, <laughs> a partner in life, um, he did try to do what he could based off of what he knew he could do. Right. Like, so he knew he had crazy anxiety, but he tried us. So one year, so fast forward, my father, um, and my cousin op- purchased a boxing club out in Tampa. Um, so my dad was back and forth between Boston and Tampa. So we flew out to Tampa to see my dad in the the apartment that they had paid for, that they bought at the time, whatever. So we were going to do Disney while we were down there, down here. And so Matt, again, was like super upset. You know, he couldn't come and because he had to work and, you know, you know, it was kind of fresh. So like he wouldn't have really come anyway, but we were going to be apart for the first time, yada, yada. Um, and so we, I flew to Florida with my mom, my brother hung out with my dad for a while. Then we did our first day at Disney and, um, we got to Epcot and I kind of figured it out, but. Well, I mean, you probably figured it out based on how, how I was behaving, how I was behaving or rather how I was not, not behaving. behaving. Yeah. Right. We were at Panera before I left and you weren't freaking out. And I was like, he's coming. It's like, he's going to surprise me. Like, I know he's coming. There's no way that I'm going to be on a plane to Tampa and going to be gone for six days and without him. And he's cool as a cucumber. There's just yep. something going on. So he did. He flew down with our best friend, Caitlin. And he surprised me at Epcot. We have a we have a picture of it. And I saw him. Because, like, no one solidified it for me. Like, nobody said anything. But I just instinctively knew, like, of course he's coming. And I didn't know when or where. But he did. He surprised us at Disney. Um, so we did a couple of days Disney together. We But that was the first time we traveled together. Did you fly home with me that trip or no? I believe I did. You did. And that was the first time I experienced Matthew's anxiety on a plane, which was an experience. Like, I think maybe all of us have ever been on a plane where someone's anxious, but like, and again, the type of person I am, if somebody's uncomfortable and they're making people around them uncomfortable, that's like a double whammy for me. Like that, for me, that is like hell on earth. So I am in this plane. I'm probably in the window because I love window seats. He's probably in the middle. And that means there's a person next to him. And he just starts going nuts, like, like freaking like hyperventilating, like like gripping the thing. And we haven't even moved yet. And I'm like, what? That's an exaggeration. We probably were moving. I mean, we were probably taxing, but we were not in the air yet. And I'm (laughs) telling you guys, like, and this person next to us, like was trying to not pay attention, but like he started moving his legs and he was like, he just wanted to get off the plane. And we're like, I'm like, that's not an option anymore. So like, I'm trying to calm him down. So that was my first experience being like, okay, we have flying anxiety too. Like, this is going to be great. Um, so that was the first. So then fast forward, we love Disney. Disney's always been like a huge thing for my family, his family too. So then I don't know how many months later, but you are back to my point of him being a great boyfriend where he could be. He bought us a trip to Disney, an eight day full-blown resort trip to Disney World. Like I just wanted to go so badly with him and have a trip together and he made it happen. 
And when we went, um, our, our, our friend Caitlin was also there because she was also a huge Disney person. And the last, actually, no, we met Dougie on the trip you surprised me at. Correct. Yeah. So I'm sorry. So this was the trip before. So the trip he surprised me at, um, we were at dinner the very last day and our friend Dougie, um, we met him there for the first time. So Doug is a, um, it, we don't need to get into the semantics of it, but we'll, he's we'll, kind of we'll related Doug to on us. Monday. He's, he's dating my cousin. Um, and Caitlin had known him because she, his cousin is Caitlin's husband, whatever. We'll go, we'll go into Doug and Emmy yeah. at another point. We'll so have, we meet we'll Doug at, on that trip. Doug lives in Florida. Doug had moved there, um, from New Hampshire the prior year. Um, and so when we met him, we loved him. He's just one of those people who's just infectious. Like Doug is the most wonderful person on the planet. So when we met him, he's like, you guys should come and stay with us. You're always welcome at the house. Anytime you want to come, please do. Um, so we did our full trip and then after we, we saw them at the parks, I think. Uh, yeah. So we met Doug at, uh, Terralina, I think, yep. um, the Italian restaurant at, uh, Disney Springs. And then we had dinner with him and he was cool. You know, he's very talkative, very, very Doug like Doug's the best. Human yeah. Player. You got, we'll have Doug on the podcast for sure. But, um, Anyway, so we, uh, you know, we went back home and then I decided, um, later that year that I wanted to, you know, bring Shana to Disney because before it was a family vacation and I just tagged along, um, and I wanted to actually bring her myself. And so I did that. And, um, that was the year that we sort of became Disney adults, which I'm sure we'll talk about that <laughs> on a later podcast, but we were those people, we were definitely those people. Loving Mickey Mouse and whatnot. Um, and then, yeah, so I brought you to Disney. And then do you have any comments about that trip? Um, that trip was great. I think we had a couple of rough days. I think some days. I was sick that trip. Too. Oh, you were sick. But you did fine. I think that trip was fine. I was very upset coming back. Yeah. Well, the everyone day before. Is. Yeah. But and then unreasonably we came upset. Home, and then we wanted to go back. And that's how we tripped to... We, did a four day trip. And that's when we stayed at Doug and Emily's. That's when we but the st- funny st- thing about staying at Doug and Emily's Doug, used an orthopedic surgeon. Emily worked for Disney and we opened and closed every park. Like literally we were there for four days. There were four parks. We opened and closed each park every day. So we never saw Doug and Emily never once until the night before we left at like 10 PM. So we were all standing at the top of the stairs in their house. And we just, we just finally spent, and keep in mind, Doug and Emily like basically let us as almost strangers, like stay in their home. Well, they worked like they're just, the, they're just the most wonderful humans. So we had this, a long conversation with them on the top of the stairs and they were like, it's just so great here. We love it. Like it's just being in Florida is amazing. And having Disney as your backyard is just, I mean, life's so short. Like you guys don't have anything keeping you in Florida and Boston. And we were the same with New Hampshire yeah. and they kind of had their own wacky story happen that led them to Florida, which is really, you should talk about that with Dougie on the podcast. Yeah, we will. Um, so we were just smitten. We were like, they're Smit- right. Now, hang on. Let's pause at the word smitten. I know. I don't think I've ever used that's that word. That's quite a word life. that you just dropped there. But uh, that was that's how it felt. Like they're just such wonderful people. And the thought of like one, being closer to them was so awesome. And two, we kind of, with my family, like with my dad being back and forth to Florida, my dad really wanted to move to Florida. My mom was very much on the fence. I loved it. We loved Disney. We had nothing keeping us in Boston. We had no kids. Like my parents were probably going to sell the house anyway at some point. So we were like, let's move to Florida. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> your so your dad was um, obviously pro Florida and your mother was very anti Florida. And um, 
you know, I kind of said, as I do usually, um, I want to go anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you were like, let's go home and you're going to have to tell your parents that we want to move to Florida. And I was bingo. like, okay. And like, right. again, we were planning on it in the distant future, but not that soon. So this was in March. Yeah. Yeah. And then and so by I think, I think it's important to mention that your family and my family are extremely different. Um, you know, you guys were always very tight knit. You guys were very, always like present with each other, very, mm -hmm. you know, always together. Um, and my family is not at all. Um, we obviously, you know, we love our family, but, um, we just aren't very like, you know, we don't, we, we never spent a lot of time together. My dad was always working and, um, you know, we never really were super like close in the physical sense. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we obviously, we like have our group chat and we, you know, we have fun together and whatnot, but you know, we just weren't that same, like, you know, when I was a kid and I told, I, I never really had to like ask my parents to go sleep over at a friend's house. It was just like, yeah, come and go as you please. Like do what you want. Like go, you know, if I wanted to stay a week at Kyle's house, um, just did. <laughs> I just did. And my parents were cool with it. Yeah. And I was kind of a latchkey kid, um, to some degree because my parents were busy and, um, Versus my childhood was my house was always the house. Like everyone was always at my house. I was always with my parents. If I wasn't at school dancing or working, I was with my parents watching TV with the cats, with the dogs. Like my house was always the house that everyone was at. So we lived very, my parents were my best friends. Like we lived very, very different lives. So, right. so when, when we left that Disney trip and I came home and was like, mama moving to Disney. She was like, what? Like, what do you mean? Well, so I, the reason I brought that up is because, you know, when, cause it sounds like, you know, we all had to move as a unit and, and it necessarily, it wasn't necessarily that it was just like, cause you're probably thinking like, where's Matt's family and all of this, right? Like we're, we're sitting here like having to have these tough conversations with Shana's parents, but Matt's parents, you know, there's no, there's no communication. Um, there is communication, but it goes like this. Hey dad. Hey mom, I'm moving to Florida. And that's it. <laughs> so, uh, but with her parents, it's much different because again, they're more tight knit. So, you know, when we say, Hey, we're moving to Florida, it's a much different conversation because it is, um, it's. And there were logistics to it because with our house that we lived in was a pretty big house. We had a ton, we, we need to move to Florida. We needed two 26 foot trucks. We had my Jeep, my mom's Cadillac. My dad was towing his Chevelle. And then we had, we needed another driver for, um, one of the other trucks. So we needed, we had more vehicles than we had people. So if Matthew and I moved to Florida before them, we really would have to fly back to Boston and then move them again. So we were like, yeah. fine, we'll just, we'll just communicate that we want to move and make them move up their move. That's date, exactly and what we'll, it was. We'll just Cause we, half like she it. said, it was inevitable. They were going to sell the house. They yeah. were going to, but it went from maybe like a nine, 10 month plan to like a four month plan. Yeah. I, you know, I'm all about execution. I'm always about doing things now. If you're planning on doing something, you might as well do it now. Yeah. Um, so it was a little wacky. My mom was like, what do you mean? She's like, uh, okay. So like it was Zillow, like every day, nonstop 24 seven, like, and then finally they found the house and here we are. Right. So, uh, we moved to Florida and obviously, you know, that was a whole experience moving to Florida. Nashville. Uh, remember that? When yeah, I went Nashville to Nashville. It was a whole thing. Yeah. So she went to, she went to a bachelorette party and, um, this was before we moved. This was like the very, cause my best friend got married like two weeks before we physically moved. So I, we went to Nashville for her bachelorette 
and this was Anxiety Jones Matt at the time. So here I am going to a bachelor party. This was not just Anxiety Jones Matt. That we were getting to peak Anxiety yeah, Jones Matt. And like I don't and I, and I don't want to cut you off too much, but like you should I, tell the story from your. Well, I'm just saying we got. We're I'm trying to move the the stories know. along because we're 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 not even close to like the turning point. Um, it's so true. Right. This so, might be a part one and part two. Or <laughs> right. No, I mean Joe Rogan's podcast are three and a half hours. So screw it. We'll see. Um. Yeah. So anyway. Um. I decided to drive down early because logistically, you know, everyone decided we're moving to Florida. Okay, cool. Logistically, it wasn't going to work because I had a car that I needed to get down there and I didn't really have anything else to do at the time. So I just decided, hey, I'm going to drive down to Florida by myself and, you know, go hang out with Doug and Emmy for a couple of weeks and then I'll come back and we'll all move. Well, um, Little did I know that I was not mentally prepared for any of that. And so I drove down and, uh, you know, of course, whenever we, as we stated, were going to be separated in, in, the, in whether she was going somewhere, I was going somewhere. It was an event. We had to plan for it. We had to make sure that I wasn't too anxious. And so we thought that the smart thing to do would be, why don't you go down to Florida while I go to this bachelorette party? Cool. Sounds like a plan. I'll be distracted. I'll be with Doug and Emmy. You know, it'll be a great time. Great. Not the case. Wrong. It was catastrophic idea. Terrible. That was the that was the single worst my anxiety has ever been. Um, I was, you know, full-blown panic. I think I had like 17 panic attacks in the whole few weeks. Um, I almost like hopped on a plane like the day after I got there um, to, to head back home. Um, you know, I was in full blown panic mode. Like that, that was when I started my medication cause I just couldn't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. And cause I had been prescribed medication before, but I turned it down because I was always skeptical of medication. And then that experience happened that I was like, all right, fuck this. I'm getting on medication. I just need to not feel this way. That was for sure. The worst you ever were. Like I was in Nashville with 17 girls at my best friend's bachelorette party and he's texting me, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm going to die. I think I'm going to die. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, and then I'd call him and he wouldn't answer me. And he's like, I'm going to pass out. And I'm like, where are you? What are you doing? Are you driving? You're at a hotel. We were it was, and then I'm calling my mom. I'm like, mom, have you, can you try to call Matt? And then my father was already in Florida, but he, I didn't, I think you might've actually been gotten to Florida, but like, and then my mom had to call my dad to go get Matt to like, try to hang out with him and like, keep him from feeling like he's going to die. It was a nightmare. It was bad. It was a nightmare. And um, then you get here and there was like a horrible, two deadly accidents on the highway. Like some person like jumped off of a bridge or something and killed themselves. And then there was a crazy car accident that you and my dad saw, like some car flipped and was like, uh, that was, that way. Was, yeah, that was when I, that was when I first arrived. It in. was just, and then Minnie bit you like Doug and Emily had uh, um, a dog, Minnie, and she's the most wonderful dog ever. But like when a stranger that she didn't remember was walking into their house for the first time, she bit him in the hand, which she, she did, was doing her job. She did her job. Like she was she supposed to do job. that. Like, you know what I mean? She was, she was not a vicious dog at all, but she did her job. So that it was just like, and then poor Doug and Emily are like, what's going on with that? Like, is he okay? Like, is he going to be all right? And like, it was horrible. Yeah. And then, uh, so, so yeah, fast forwarding, fast forward, we made, fly back home, fl- fly back home. Everything was fine. Cause I was, I was flown back home and then, um, and then we moved to Florida. Cool. You know, that Which was you crushed by the way, you drove a 26 foot truck. 
the with, whole way with there. With Mike Kravchuk. <laughs> that means nothing to anybody, but it means everything to the people who right. were there. With Mike Kravchuk. Meanwhile, me and Caitlin had the time of our lives. My, Caitlin and I drove in my Jeep with my two St. Bernards in the backseat, towing a lawnmower and a bunch of yard tools, and we did not touch the radio, play music, podcast, nothing one time for the for the two three full days meanwhile i was i was sitting i was sitting with this like i don't know 60 year old stranger to him yeah yeah complete stranger to me and you know he's like i don't want to shit on mike craft chuck too much he's a nice guy but uh it was just i wanted to be i wanted to be in their car (laughs) real bad but i had to drive the truck so it is what it is you did a great job i watched him almost get completely run off the road respect Mack trucks. I just realized I've been pretty much looking at the viewfinder this whole time. So you're uh, you got to look at the, the you're going to be like, hello, I'm over here. Sorry. I know. Um, okay. We got to Florida. Things are great. Florida's great. We were, Florida was, we were, you were a little annoyed because I spent a lot of time at our parent, my parents' house because there was a lot to do here and all that stuff. But, and you wanted to get, cause you and Dougie had things you wanted to start doing and working together and yep. filming and producing stuff. Yeah. So how the whole, um, you know, thing was kind of arranged was, uh, I, you know, we didn't have jobs coming down here. And so the whole arrangement was basically Doug was running a YouTube channel and I was going to, as the video guy and editing guy, I was going to, you know, shoot and edit for him, um, as sort of rent payment. And that obviously blossomed into other things like, you know, the taste bud show, which I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, when I get Doug on the podcast. But, um, so that's kind of how that arrangement was set up. So I was very, you know, I wanted to get started on that because obviously not only was that like how we were going to like pay rent, so to speak, but it was also, um, I was looking forward to it because I liked, we were making, he was making content about Disney at the time we were big Disney people and, um, you know, it was exciting and I liked working with Doug because, you know, it's like, it's Doug and I are, 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 you know, two peas in a pod, two peas in a pod. They feed each other's. We're the both, we're both the type of people that are like wildly creative, but also like completely delusional (laughs) in terms of like our vision. And like, you know, I, I really, like we talked about this the other day, you know, I really miss having people around or Doug around to have someone that like will, will entertain the craziest ideas and not only entertain them, like you will just to humor me, but Doug and I will entertain them and then the driver's seat with you and then we'll just just, go do it. Yes. We'll just go do it, you know? And then sometimes it won't pan out. Like, you know, we did the whole Minfinity war and uh, a lot of ideas that never panned out, but there were some like the race you to the castle thing. That was great. That was so funny. Link that somewhere in here. So someone can watch that. That was great. But, um, but yeah, we're going off on, we're going off on the Doug and Emmy love train, which we could forever and ever and ever and ever, but for sure. Florida was great. Got here. I don't remember your anxiety being very bad. Uh, no. It until w- things started to settle. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause the, we were riding the high of just moving to Florida and obviously, you know, we were busy in the sense of like, we were building out the room mm-hmm. that we were going to live in. Cause they had to literally build a room in their house for us to live in. Not that they didn't have other rooms. It was just like, they were planning on doing it anyway. Cause it increased the value of the house. So we were busy doing that. We were making content and then the, uh, you know, we were getting your parents set up in, in their house and then the bank account started to dwindle. Oh yeah. The bank account started to dwindle. Neither of us had jobs. And this was like, I don't know, probably like, you know, six, seven, eight weeks, you know, into this, into this endeavor. And then it's like, oh, wait, like we have to start like doing life now. 
And this is what I'm telling Beth, uh, my little sister, who I'll try to get on a podcast. Um, you know, she's big on wanting to come to Florida. And, you know, when you're moving to a place that you typically vacation, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a, like, um, uh, I'm just going to say mind fuck because like you want it to be vacation. You want it to be the place where, you know, you come and have fun, but then like also you have to do life. And so, you know, it has its ups and downs. It's certainly more ups than downs, but, um, you know, that was a reality check for us when we got here, uh, that we had to get jobs and do life. Luckily for me, I had the opportunity to work at the same fitness franchise that I was working at before. Granted, it was a huge pay cut because before I was the social media manager, I was also a trainer um, and I was working the front desk as well at the gyms. Um, but when I came to this gym, the the spots were already taken. There was already a manager. There was nobody like they it was there wasn't they didn't have anybody doing social media and they didn't want anybody doing social media. And um all the front desk spots were taken. So the only role that I could fill was trainer. So I basically, you know, cut my pay down to like the bare minimum, like two, mm-hmm. two, three nights a week, maybe of training. Um, so, you know, I still needed to find something else. And um, you got a job at Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, my aunt got you a job at Disney. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Cause we went golfing one day and she was like, Oh, you, you should work d- here. Yeah. You should work here. Like, and then what? she, Right. She went and got an application and the next thing you know, she's working there. Um, but yeah, so that, uh, that also didn't help our dynamic at all because now you were the breadwinner mm-hmm. big time, right? Like I was making pennies per week. Thankfully we weren't actually paying rent. We would never have been able to afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we were doing the thing with Doug and, um, that was kind of my main focus. But I also had to supplement some income, so I started driving for Uber. Ugh. Yeah. That was a miserable time in my life. That was like, and it's funny, like I talk about this when I go on other podcasts about the time, about the period in my life where I was driving for Uber. And I tell myself, I, I remember telling myself that this, this was gonna, This is part of the story, right? Like I can always say, you know, when I'm a millionaire or whatever the case, um, I can always tell the story about how I was driving for Uber. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I flipped it. Obviously, like I wasn't going to drive for Uber forever and it was just like a desperation thing, but, um, it was certainly, it was certainly, it's good for the story. Um, but yeah, so that, that in terms of our relationship, cause that's the story we're telling right now. Um, it was very, it's, it was bad for our dynamic and I was smoking weed all the time. Mm -hmm. And so whatever money I did have, I was, very responsibly spending on drugs. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that made you real happy. Honestly, I don't really think of it that way. I think at the time it was more like you kind of needed them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's felt like it to me. Like you weren't, went, you weren't it, but, crazy anxiety when you were smoking, but also there weren't many opportunities to where you would be have a ton of anxiety at that point. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I remember, the- I remember starting to smoke weed because, um, just again, out of desperation, because I got prescribed that medication. I did not want to take it. And, um, so we were like, okay, what are some other alternatives that we could do? And she suggested, uh, you know, marijuana multiple times and I was against it. You know, she was much more pro it because, you know, uh, you had friends that did it. You, you know, it wasn't, it yeah, wasn't, it wasn't for you just to have fun. It was like to 
calm your nerves like, right. or, like to actual help. But it was, it was much less, it was much less foreign to you yeah. than it was to me. I didn't really smoke. And the first time I smoked was not actually with you. Did I, do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. It was with Kyle. Uh And I think that was kind of like my foot in the door and that kind of made me feel better about it. Um, But it very quickly, and I'm going to talk to Kyle about that. I want to get him on the podcast so I can talk to him specifically about this because we go on and on about this, about the slippery slope of smoking weed. Um, You know, it, for both of us and, you know, we've both, alluded to this. It's like you start out because you want to calm your nerves because you want to, you know, relieve pain, whatever the case may be. But it quickly turns from that into like, Oh, like things are a little more enjoyable when you're smoking, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, I'm not as nervous, but like, you know, like video games are more fun. Food tastes better. That's what bothered me. It was like, you were spending all your time. Like at at that time it was like, yeah, the job that you went to wasn't making you a lot of money, but you editing all the videos and like trying to get our presence growing on YouTube and all that was your investment. So when I'd come home from working a literal 12 hour day at Disney on my feet in and the hundred degree weather. Yeah. And you're just sitting in the office playing video games. I was like, and then a week later you're best, you're texting me saying I need money or I can't pay my car. I, I, I was, I will never forget. I was driving to work one day and I was on the phone with my mom and I was just like, I can't keep doing this. Like, this isn't the person he told me he was going to be for us. Like, like I'll help him with whatever he needs. And I don't want to give up on him because I know that he is capable of so much more than this. And it just felt like for me, it was like, I didn't want to give up on someone I loved. It wasn't necessarily like I need to stay with him because I feel bad or anything like that. It was like, I'm not willing to not help him get through this, you know, whatever that meant for us. I didn't know, but I just knew like, I, I wasn't going to let, I wasn't going to leave him in the condition he was in. But I remember saying to my mom, it's time. I need to give him like an ultimatum almost. Like I need to tell him this needs to change. You need to be making efforts to change it or this I'm bowing out. Like I can't, you know, we need to figure something else out. It was like, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll move to my parents. He can stay at Doug and Emily's house and we'll just like figure something out. And that was a huge, we just moved to Florida together. Like we were starting our life together here. And, and here I am driving to work at seven o'clock in the morning in tears with my mom. Cause I'm like, you know, this isn't it. This isn't who he told me. And I, I did, I talked to him about it. I said all those things. I said, this isn't, who, this is, you're not, that's not my guy. That's, that's not the guy that I, you promised me you'd be. It's not the guy that I fell in love with. And he, he not, did not make a single excuse. He said, if we ever have to talk about this again, I don't blame you for leaving. He said that he would do everything moving. He said, you're absolutely right. You don't just, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a sympathy thing. It wasn't like a, like a, I, I need pity. It was like, he, he just, you're right. He never made an excuse. He never said, well, you don't know what it's like to be, have anxiety and I need weed and blah, blah, blah. And I tried making money. It was never that. He was always, any argument we've ever been in, any fight, any disagreement, any area where I feel like he is not up to par with whatever he said or whatever I needed. The the thing for me that's always kept me with him is we never had to go back to it. I would express like how I was feeling, where he was coming up short. Even sometimes he'd express to me where he was coming up short and we never had to go back. He would just assess it and work harder, you know, and he'd, he'd take everything that he knew would move us forward and he would work relentlessly at it. 
and it was hard for me. I don't know if any of you have ever had to tell someone that you love really harsh truths that will really hurt them, but that sucked. That was not easy. That was especially the type of person I am. Like I, I, I making someone uncomfortable or feel poorly about themselves is like my, I, I hate it. And I knew part of me was like, if I say this to him, is it going to make it worse? Like he's already so low. He's our, everything in his life is just like not in a great place. If I literally sit there and say to him all those things, like you're not being the man I need you to be. I, you know, I'm paying for this. I'm doing that. I'm, you know, like I remember I was walking around Springs. My aunt came to visit and you weren't there because you had to work and you were going to meet us. And then you texted me and you said, I can't come. And I was like, why? You said, I, I need to get gas. And I said, okay. And you said, I can't afford gas. And I literally, you went to use your Venmo card and they, you apparently owed money to Venmo I because you were overdrafted. Yeah. Yeah. So you couldn't get gas. And I, I had to Venmo him $250 so that he could back pay the Venmo and then put $50 in his gas tank. And I, I would know exactly where I was walking by House of Blues. I know exactly, not House of Blues. Yeah, House of Blues. And I was like, I just couldn't believe that this is where we were at. I was just disgusted in such a heartbroken way. You know, like it was just horrible. I mean, I'm barely making, making it, you know, and I'm sending him money that I don't even really have, but like can wiggle through, you know, and, oh, it sucked so bad. So, and yeah. where did you, where did you, to fast forward things, right? Cause we're, we've been going on for a while. Yeah. Where did you start to see things really turn around? Cause I think for, I think for a while, cause you're talking about, you know, we're living in a Doug and Emmys. Mm. I think from, you know, 20, there's probably 2019 we're talking about to, 2020 that probably that that year gap right there where we had just moved here mm. um i think you i think things things were like slowly yeah on the upswing once we realized the setup financially like with your work at doug and emily's wasn't working because matt would spend his whole day when he wasn't doing dumb irresponsible things or working at the club editing videos. Like we had three cameras going for one video at a time. So he was editing all the time. And the work that he was doing was amazing work, but we weren't set up and on any platforms to where he, we were making any money off of it. So he was putting all his time into a project that could make us money one day, but wasn't. Right. So we realized like as much as it sucked, like we can't afford to do this anymore. Like we can try to do it on the side, but like we, he, we need to get him to a point where what his time is, is making money because we don't have, we don't have the luxury of just like bopping around all day and making fun videos and hoping right. it makes money. Like, like we're saving money once, on rent, which is cool, but yeah. you know, that's, that's. And even then I started, which was nothing, but I ended up starting to pay rent cause I was making money. But anyway, so we ended up coming to this house because, um, there's like an in-law apartment in here that my mom's friend was living in. She ended up going back up North. So that kind of opened up and it gave us an opportunity to have our own, like our own space, which was kind of nice. And then, you know, if, if we were going to pay rent to anybody, I'd like to help my parents out with the mortgage sort of thing. So that's what we, we just made our way over to here. And then what ended up happening? Did you start, you started making more money at title? I think you started, you got like a management position or something. I can't, that, that whole space of time kind of feels blurry to me. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly. You know what was different I'm trying about to answer that your time. Question though, like what, what? I think you just, you just something clicked for you. Like you just stopped, um, like making excuses. And you never really made excuses, but you just had this no bullshit mentality, like work harder. Like that was his, that was what he'd say. Like, it was like, well, guess I'm working harder today. Guess I'm not going to bed till two in the morning. Guess I'm going to stay at the club extra hours to do this. Oh, corporate needs this done. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, like yeah, it was that's, just, I think that's what happened. Cause Kenny, Kenny and Caitlin moved down here. That's when I started doing work for corporate corporate. So you, you got, yep. so that alleviated a lot of stress. Like it, it literally happened the way he explains it in his videos on TikTok. Like he identified all the problems in his life, which was everything, but you and I essentially, well, <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, yeah, but like financially, that was a big one. And then it was his anxiety and it was, he just literally identified every problem and he found a solution to each one. And it was not an overnight thing, but in order to fix something, you have to identify that it's broken and to identify that it's broken. You have to identify what can fix it. And that solution is not fast. It's a long-term thing, but like once you identify it, you can start chipping away at it. And that's what he kind of did. Yeah. I think I spent between 2019 and 2020 kind of fixing what was broken. And I, cause you know, there were a lot of, I would say, you know, in that time that we were living at Doug and Emmy's, I was broken. Like I was just, you know, not a functioning human being. Um, and then, you know, we came here and uh, we, I remember go- going through a period of time, me and Kyle, my friend Kyle, I'll have him on the podcast one day. We kind of live life in parallel, um, which I think now is not really the case because he's, I, I've gone on a really weird path the last six months. Um, but you know, we've kind of lived life in parallel because we were both very, you know, similar growing up. And then we graduated high school and then we both kind of, you know, like mentally and like as in our character, we've, we've sort of lived life in parallel where, you know, we were at our lows kind of at the same time and we were at our highs kind of at the same time. Uh, and I would say our highs are both now, um, you know, and, and our lows were really like that 2018, you know, kind of time frame. We both were on antidepressants. We both were in therapy. We both were really struggling. We both were smoking weed every single day. And, um, I think that, you know, we were, we were communicating in 29. I remember like the summer of 2019 sticks out because, you know, we were both kind of having a lot of realizations at the same time, which is strange because, you know, we were both having a lot of realizations about like, you know, everything is not like the world's fault, you know, like it's kind of, we have more control over this mind thing than we think. And so a lot of that, like, you know, discipline and especially, uh, you know, the, the whole more holistic ways of approaching life, um, started to become more apparent. Like we both were talking a lot about going outside. We both were talking a lot about, uh, being, you know, um, you know, eating cleaner. We both were talking about getting exercise more. We both were like very much on that train and I think that that was cool, right? Because that's kind of like the foundation, right? That's the foundation. To me, that's the bare minimum of being a human being. You go outside, you eat healthy, you drink water, you sleep well, so on and so forth. Um, and so that really helped me like fix all the things that were broken. I was still smoking weed a lot up until 2020. Mm-hmm. That's when I that's when I stopped. I went cold turkey and I I haven't since. It's been a few years at this point. Um, but 
Cool. So between 2019 and 2020 is where I was sort of in fixing things mode. And that's kind of, that kind of brought me back to zero. And then what I was, what I was hoping the direction you would go in when I asked you, where did you start to see things turn around was 2020, not 2019. Um, because that's when the world was getting, that's when George Floyd happened. That's when, mm-hmm. you know, all these weird, we were both figuring a lot of things that, out about the world and we don't have to go into detail about that right now, but um, we both kind of realized that a lot of the things that we thought were true about reality were untrue. And, you know, we were lied about a lot of things or lied to about a lot of things. And um, one of them was the sort of um, gender dynamic and what, what a man is supposed to be and what a woman is supposed to be. I'll let you talk about that. So I don't get, um, I don't get terrible comments. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to talk about that. I, this is about me. Um, so, you know, like I said, 2019, 2020, we're fixing things mode. And I think 2020 is where I really started to gain a sense of direction. Like I felt okay in the sense, like my mind was fine. My body was fine. I guess like I wasn't, you know, super unhealthy. We were doing 75 hard and whatnot. Um, but I think 2020 is where I started to have that vision, that sort of North star of like, okay, this is the man I want to be. And it was towards the end of 2020. I remember that. And, um, once I realized that vision, once I realized that, okay, I was, I had this misconception about what a man is supposed to be. I had this misconception about what masculinity is. I too thought it was toxic. I too thought that, you know, the way that my dad lives, the way that his, his sort of stoicism was very like, um, damaging to, you know, your fucking, I don't know, whatever. Right. Like everyone told me that because my dad is stoic, because my dad is quiet, because my dad keeps to himself, because my dad works, because my dad's focused on responsibilities, because my dad, you know, focuses on God, focuses on all the other, th- all these other things that he is the weirdo. He is toxic. He is X, Y, Z. Um, and a lot of people told me that growing up and I bought into it. So I tried to be the antithesis of that. I tried to be, you know, more in tune with my emotions, more, uh, soft, more, um, you know, just, I guess, feminine as the word. Um, if, if, if my dad is a sort of embodiment of masculinity, I tried to be the antithesis of that. And, um, that just made me more miserable. And so once I sort of had that, you know, click in my brain of like, Oh, like shit, like I'm wrong about all these things. Um, and I made that sort of masculine imperative, my, my sort of North star. Um, that's when things went from like, the slow upswing to like the massive upswing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Do you have any comments about that? I don't know what, I don't know what flipped that switch for you. I think it was all the, the chaos of the, of 2020, the, the pandemic, in 2020, like that. everything that happened around that, that literal crazy time. Um, I don't really recall like a specific, I just remember you just like, I remember you started writing, um, like, like you told me one day you were started to write out like what you want your kids to be like, like you, what the kind of person you want to be for your future kids. Yep. Like, I feel like that was something that really triggered, like clicked for you. Like, 
you know, and like, because I wasn't even thinking about kids at that point. No, because I think what it was, right. This is kind of the rabbit hole I went down. Right. So like, you know, the pandemic happened, George Floyd happens, like all these things, like the world's very chaotic, very weird. And a lot of, a lot of these like, um, different sources of information started rising to the surface. You know, the people that we, you know, engage with now, like the, you know, the John Doyles, the Matt Walsh's, like all these other people, right. Like they, they started rising to the surface on my social media feeds. And then I listened to them because I started, see, I started seeing a lot of the things when it came to the pandemic, when it came to George Floyd, when it came to all that, all that other stuff that I was like, you know, I kind of think this is kind of bizarre. And these kind of, these people kind of also think it's bizarre. Um, and, you know, so I started consuming their content and the things that they talk about were made a lot more sense to me, right? Like obviously in terms of what was happening in the world, but also in terms of like, they were a lot more family oriented. They talked more a lot about, about like objectivity versus um, subjectivity. And to me, that made a lot more sense. Maybe it's because of the way I was raised. Maybe it's because, you know, just, just how I'm wired. But when I was listening to them talk more about those like traditional family values and just being a traditional man and so on and so forth and had the nuclear family and all those other things, like that made a lot more sense to me. Mm-hmm. That was like, whoa, you know, it wasn't like this groundbreaking thing, but like Jordan Peterson does this a lot. Shout out to Jordan Peterson. Um, he articulates what you already think, but you don't know how to say it. Right. You know? And so like both Jordan Peterson and, you know, the guys that we talk about, they did that for me. You know, I had these beliefs, but I couldn't really figure out what they were. And then once they said something, I was like, that's it. And then, um, and that kind of started the snowball of like, okay, now I'm starting to think about family. Now I'm starting to think about the future. Now I'm starting to think about, okay, if, if I'm supposed to have kids, in, you know, which I, I always wanted kids. I've always wanted kids, but I was much more like urgent about it because little did I know, I didn't even know that there was a, that women can't have kids in their forties. Right. Like I didn't know that was a thing. And so I, I, a, a sense of urgency started to develop. And at that point I was like, Oh shit, I got to get on this. And then I was like, okay, if I, if I'm going to be a father, if I'm going to be, you know, a provider, a protector, all these things, I got to change a bunch of shit, you know, right? Like I'm not where I was, you know, I'm far from where I was in 2018, 2019, but like I am even further away from where, where I want to be, yeah. you know, like I don't even, I, cause at the time I was still working at title. I, you know, well, it, none of us were really working. <laughs> yeah. No, by that time I was working again. No, I was making a COVID joke. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, at that time I was, by no means a provider. And I was by no means a protector. I knew how to box. Cool. But like, that's Mm -hmm. one aspect of protecting. Um, and I was just so far away from like, fuck, you know, it's like just this North star just started shining in the sky for me. And that to me is that, and that's what I've been following since. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where, that's where I went from. Okay. To, I think God also kind of trickled its way into that realm of time too, like Christianity, like kind of dabbling in the Bible and like, yeah, I mean, that was, that was something that was, I very, I very much kept to myself yeah. for a long time, like probably a year Yeah, you where I, said a thing to me about I it. didn't talk about it. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know if how I felt about it. And I certainly right. didn't know how you felt about it. Yeah. You know, like, cause for a while, 
you know, like I said, we start, I started watching these certain content creators, you know, and I started thinking like, you know what, like it does make sense because all the things that, and I don't want to get too deep into religious talk right now, but like, this is kind of my thought process. Like all these things that made me miserable, i.e., you know, being selfish, um, you know, giving into short-term pleasures, um, living a hedonistic life. And, um, I, I guess just the word would be sin. Um, all those things made me feel worse. And so it would make sense that, um, that, that if, if Christianity is true, then, you know, the opposite of those things would make me feel better. And so I started doing the opposite of those things. I started, you know, being more disciplined. I started, um, whatever vices that I had, I tried to do them in moderation, which I'm still not the best at. Um, and you know, I tried to be, and I, a lot of these things I still struggle with, like, you know, being generous with my time, being generous with money, being generous. Like I'm, I'm instinctively a selfish guy. I hate to admit that on a podcast, but it's true. Like, um, I, Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that sentence, but, um, and I did feel better. I did feel like my life was going in the right direction because I was following the doctrines of Christianity. Um, but then I had the, the, then I had the dilemma of, well, okay. The doctrines seem to map out to real life, but is the story true? You know? Cause I feel like if you, if you're going to be a Christian, you need to believe that the story is true. And, and I think that's where faith comes in, right? Like, cause you, you have to, I don't know that the story is true, but I have enough faith for lack of a better term that orienting myself towards God is going to lead to the best outcome in this life and whatever, you know, happens next. Mm -hmm. Um, so it is a choice, right? Like there are some people who are completely convicted about, you know, Jesus died for our sins and rose on the third day and all those things. It's like, I don't know. I don't know that. And so anyone who says, well, how do you know that's true? I'm like, I don't know that's true. But I choose to believe that because of how it's impacted my life. Right. So that's kind of and, and it's it's we we came to that conclusion where like even if it's not and you spent your entire life with the faith that it was, the byproduct of that faith is going to lead you to the best possible life. Right. Exactly. So it's like, it's a, it's a win-win, you know? And if I'm right, if, if, if let's have Mr. Atheist in front of me, if I'm right and I'm living a virtuous life, um, well, let me start that over. I'm bad at this. I'm start, I'm new <laughs> to this podcast. Then. If he's right. And when we die, it's just blackness and nothing happens just like it was before then at least I lived a good life. Right. But right. if I'm right, 
he's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just, you know. So, yeah. I mean, it's still something that we're figuring. And this is a weird tangent, but, you know, it My is bad. what it is. No, it's fine. It's fine. I guess we can talk more about that later on. It's still something that I'm learning and, and navigating. And obviously we have to be, we have to be better at, at it. Um, but um, I guess I'll, I'll ask a few questions that I had um, since we kind of have gotten to the end of the story and we're kind of where we're at now. Well, yeah, I just think to recap what's gotten you to where you're at now is just. I want to, uh, before you say that, I want to say something else because one of the things that I think is really unique about Shana is that you're, you have always, I always, I'm a, I'm a big believer in polarity between the sexes within a relationship that if you're going to have a, a masculine man, you need a feminine woman. And that if you're going to have a feminine man, you need a masculine woman. And if you need a somewhat feminine man, somewhat masculine man, you need a somewhat feminine woman and a somewhat masculine woman. You need that balance, whichever way you spin it. Um, and you've always balanced it out. You know, like when, when I was Mr. Feminine fucking man bun smoking weed. We forgot to say you had a man bun. We forgot to say, <laughs> we forgot to talk about the man bun. I had a man bun for like two weeks, but you fulfilled the masculine role when necessary. And now that I have usurped your masculinity. Thank God. Right. You didn't, you like, finally. Um, now that I'm fulfilling the masculine role within the relationship, you've been able to step back into that feminine role and you've done so, you know, happily and gracefully. Yeah. And it's interesting because, and we've, we've talked about this. I, it's been real, it's been, a lot it's been it's unearthed a lot for me too because i think the generation i grew up in as women i was fortunate to grow up with my mom at home my dad um, owned a business and my mom was i would come home off the bus and the house was always clean um some days there were cookies in the oven you know some days i'd have new clothes laid out on my bed like my mom was such a good mom and she was always home for us. And when we were in like, my brother and I were in like middle school, she started to work at a vet um, part-time and picked up some work and she's worked kind of ever since. But when we were kids, like mom was always there. And I think, and I, I was, I'm, a, I'm very clean OCD and from when I was a little, little kid. Like I used to love just cleaning and, and setting up the house as my parents went out on a date. I'd love to clean the house, set everything up. When my mom came home, her pajamas were laid out. I've just always been like that nurturer. Like I've just loved to do that. Always been super clean, OCD, love organizing, yada, yada. But when every time someone asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be? I, I, I never like had this like I, I never wanted to be a veterinarian. I never wanted to be a dentist. I never wanted to be some profession or Stripper. some job. Maybe um, I just something felt empty for me. Like I never had an answer. I never had an answer. Even when I was in college, what do you want to go to college for? I don't know. You know, like I literally didn't know it. I, I picked like a health um, major because it wasn't going anywhere, and a lot of my friends were doing it. So I was like. This seems like a good idea. And I was just kind of floating through what I thought was what I was supposed to do. $100,000 later. Yeah. <laughs> Don't recommend. Um, so when like finally, like when he started to be able to flip that and take on the role of what a man in my view and what I experienced growing up should do, it kind of made me realize like, wait, so now that he's going to do that, like, 
maybe, maybe what I want to do is the opposite of that. Like maybe I do just want to do what I'm good at and like raise, take care of a home, like take care of a husband, take care of kids and make a home. Cause I didn't tell her to say this. Never. Like he's never once, but like for me, it's like, that's just, that's just the stuff you enjoy doing. Yeah. Oh, I always have my whole life. Like my, everyone in my life will tell you, oh my God, she's crazy. My color, my closet is color coordinated and I'm constantly organizing. Look at these books like, back here. They're in yeah, rainbow like order. I've I would have never done that. I've always been this way, but I never connected the dots to like, maybe when someone asks you what you want to do, like I used to joke, I used to be obsessed with the NHL. I always wanted to be a trophy wife. I'd say a trophy wife. Shana wants to be a trophy wife. She wants to marry an NHL player. And that sounds kind of gross, right? It sounds kind of like a gold digger. You just want people's money, but like. And I always used to say that because I I wasn't making the connection that like I wanted to be, I wanted to take care of a home. Like I wanted to do those things, but I never knew that until he started to, to take over that masculine, like started to fill that role. And then I was like, wait, I really like the idea of me being- You don't being have like, to yeah. have a career. You don't and I have said to. it out loud for like the first time. And then I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to do that. And then I'm like, why is that so weird? Like, I remember Dave Ramsey was talking about, um, he was, we were listening to his, his show and he said something about his wife and he said, you know, he helps people get out of debt and they got to make all this money. And he's, he's talked to people that have incredible careers and make all this money and all this wealth. And he said to him, he said that his wife has raised three beautiful children. She used to be whatever she did back in the day. It was like a, Whatever she she did, I don't whatever. Remember. Raised three beautiful children, took care of the home, um, helped at her church and in her community. And he said, "That is the the most impressive resume you could ever give me." And yeah. like when he said those words, I was like, "For real? Like let's say let's say the entire world collapses tomorrow. Like we don't care about your resume. We don't care about right. your Fortune 500 business. We don't care about your bank job." Like you have to start from the ground. Like you need to know how to do everyday thing. Like what's happening in your home? Like that's the most important thing. That's where yeah, everything stems from in a society. So like for me, I'm like, hell yeah, I want to focus my life on that. Like if I have the opportunity, hopefully one day we'll have that opportunity to do that. And I think that as women today, and listen, if you want to be a businesswoman and run apps, all the power to you. Like this isn't a one size fits all thing, but for me, like I had no one in my life saying it's okay to like, want to be a mom and like take care of a home. But I was always growing up. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? You can't just do that. You need to, you need to take care of yourself. You need to be financially independent. You need to do all these things. And that's not bad advice, but like, it's also okay to want to like pour yourself into your home and in your family. Yeah. Everyone, no one talks about that. Everyone glorifies, you know, the, the pursuit of finances. But when you think about it on an evolutionary basis, right? Like the, the job of men was to go out, hunt and, and, you know, get the, get the kill and bring it back home to the family so that they could eat. You know, if you, if you think of it in terms of that now, imagine, right? Like you have this, you're in the hunter gatherer times, you're in the stone age, whatever. And rather than, rather than there being a family, the hunt, the husband and the wife both go out and they just collect as much, as much animals as they possibly can. They just stack them up and look at them. Right. Right. Like that's it. That's, that's the reality we live in. Mm -hmm. The purpose of going out and, and getting money, the purpose of going out and, and achieving financial wealth is to bring it home to the family. And so that they can reap the rewards of that effort. If there's nobody to bring it home to, 
what's the point? There isn't any. You're just hoarding it. You're just looking at it. Cool. The whole point is to, you know, have a family, reproduce, give them the best life possible. And why would you, if you, if you can have only one person going out and and providing and the other person stays home to raise them, then that's going to give you the best outcome. No doubt. Because, you know, we see it happen today. Most, most kids, even though they might have both parents, they don't grow up with both parents. The school raises them mm-hmm. because both parents are out working. Right. And do I think everyone in the world is supposed to have kids? No, absolutely not. I don't believe that at all. No, I think- but more people should than are. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's, we're, that's being proven right now. But I just think that that message that it's okay for women to like, in men, like, Men should be raised to want to take care of their families. Yep. Like they should want to be a provider. They should want to, to, and this isn't some toxic masculinity. Like this is my money and I call the shots and I make every decision. Like, like, no, like you're a team, you're a partnership, you're in a marriage. Like you are creating a world, a family, a life, a future together. You make those decisions together, but you have different roles. Well, and that's the thing too, right? Like you can't have, if you're, Tom Brady and uh, Rob Gronkowski, you can't have both people throwing the ball. You can't have both people catching the ball. Mm-hmm. It's silly. You're not going to win a football game that way. How you're going to win the football game is putting them in the best positions to succeed based off their skills. And so if you have Rob Gronkowski catching the ball because he's six foot seven or whatever and has giant hands that can catch the ball and jump high, and you have Tom Brady throwing it because, we, he, because he's been throwing a ball since he's 11 years old or whatever, then that's the best chance to succeed. And if within your relationship or your marriage or whatever the case, if the man is better, has a, has a higher likelihood or has a better skill set at collecting money and the wife is a nurturer and a caretaker, like why wouldn't you put yourself in the best position to succeed to for you and your family? So, yeah, and it took me 28 years to like be okay with wanting that. Yeah. And to this day, like, you know, we'll, we'll share with our friends, family, people, whoever will say, you know, no, I like eventually the goal is for me to be home with our children that we have one day and Matthew to bring in the money. And to this day, like people that love me and are, are my closest people in the world, well, what are you going to do? Like, you should have your own money. Like you should have, you know, you need to have your own everything. You need to make, be, take care of yourself. And it's like, Why? You know, it's like when you get married, there is no yeah, yours and mine. Yeah. It's just, it's just ours. It's and again, it's from it's coming from a good place. That's it's like not, saying that's like saying, well, you need your own kids. Right. It's just kind <laughs> of like, well, we're creating this. And listen, like things can happen in life and whatever. We could go down that road. But, you know, I just think that that message that like being home with children is not a burden. It is not a it's hard and unfathomably hard work and it doesn't stop it's harder than making money, but it's the greatest reward in the planet. And like Dave Ramsey said, there's no, in my opinion, my opinion, there's no greater resume in the world. Than so, that. so with that being said, if you want to help Shana retire, <laughs> go to notmattgram.com and apply for my coaching programs, join my discord server, um, you know, do all that stuff, please. And yeah. thank you. So, um, with that being said, I think we'll close out with a couple questions that I had, um, which based on the bullet point list here, we spent the most, most of the time on the first three and not on the last seven. So we're not, I don't know if we're going to get through each of these, but, um, 
my first question is what would you, what would you wish that we had done differently? In our entire relationship? Yeah. That question is such a hard, those kinds of questions are so hard because it's It's hard because what we did led us to where we are and I like where we're at. So it's hard to say that like the way I've, because I'm getting older and we do want to have kids, like the way I'm looking at those types of questions. And I was like, what would I tell my kids to do versus what I did? I guess that's a better question. What would you, what would you, what mistakes did we make that you would want our kids to avoid? I probably wouldn't like the whole, we lived with each other, like right away, right off the bat. Yeah. And it was accidental, but like we, we, we started that, dating and like three weeks later he was living at my house. <laughs> yeah. Which was not, it was, it was circumstantial partially, yeah. but, um, so yeah, I think the top three for me are living together not too early. Over. I would say before marriage, quite honestly, I think yeah. that yields the best outcome. I think statistically that shows that it yields the best outcome. Uh, cohabitation actually increases the, uh, divorce rate. Um, you can look that up. The other thing I would say is, um, you should have kids early. If you're going to have kids, have, have them young. Um, also get married young, Mm. young, 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 not like 1920 necessarily, but like, you know, early twenties, 22, 23, 24. I would love to have a few would have, would have loved to have had a few kids before I turned 30 for sure. Right. But I mean. If if someone ever tried to give us kids in our first year of dating, as you have heard in the last two hours, I had a kid. I had to raise this. Basically. You know what I mean? So it's it's in a perfect world, how I'd answer that question is we wouldn't have lived together. We would have lived at, together after marriage. We would have had kids like four years ago. But right. our story didn't equip for that at all. You and know? Th- so. This is, you're not going to like this answer, but this is my third one, is- don't date a woman older than you. Yeah. This is an anomaly. I wouldn't recommend like even Beth, like your sister, I would never recommend for her to date for a, a man couple, younger for than a her. couple reasons. I think they're kind of the, the, the reasons are linked, but the first reason being like you alluded to that if you, I told this to my sister the other day, I said, if you date, she's 16. If you date someone your age or younger, you're going to have to, to some degree raise them because men they need, they, not only do they mature slower than women, but they also need experience in order to fully mature. They need to make mistakes. They need to, they can't just read a book and then learn all the lessons they're going to learn. They have to go out and do it. They have to put their hand on the stove to realize, oh wait, the stove's hot. Like that's guys, that's how it works. And they're probably not anywhere near that level of maturity to where they'd be able to be a husband at until minimum 24, right? That's my opinion and in my experience. And um, so I told my sister, like, if you don't want to ride that roller coaster, because it is a roller coaster, as we've as we've explained here, then look for an older guy than you. And um, that's also going to allow you to have kids earlier and and have it be a stable situation for them. Because if you if you look for a guy that's older than you. He's going to be in a much better situation to facilitate children, right? Both financially, mentally, physically, like all of, all of the above. So if you just want to like plug yourself into a situation, if you're that type of woman and you just want to have kids and like be a mom and all those other things, then I would say, look for, look for an older guy that, you know, you can, 
you can just go along for the ride with. Mm-hmm. Don't you wish you did that? <laughs> I did sacrifice a couple of years for you. That's for sure. Just more than a few, more than a few. Um, do you have anything else in terms of what you would suggest that our kids do differently that pops into your head? No, No. those are kind of the big ones. Um, all right. And so this will be the last, actually two more questions. This is probably going on two hours now. Um, so (laughs) what advice do you have for young men, because that's my audience, um, in terms of relationships. Like you're a single, you're a 19, 20 year old single guy out there. What's your suggestion to him in terms of finding a quality woman? Dating in today's social media landscape like makes me just want to hug every 19 year old sweet boy on the planet. Cause I just pray for them. I don't know. I think when you're that young, I think you got to focus on yourself. I think you need to, I think instead of looking for the right partner, you need to become the right partner. So you need to be what you would want to give to somebody else that you love and care about. So work on yourself, get in the gym, work, you know, get yourself in good physical shape, get yourself financially responsible and like a good a good, you don't need to have thousands of dollars in your bank account, but like in a, in a responsible place financially. Um, and just, I like to, I like to think you want to be the kind of man that you'd want your daughter to date. So aim up, like aim for that and the right women, you'll attract the right women. And when you, when you have that kind of a standard for yourself, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, thread that into your partner. So you're going to know right off the bat. Like, yeah, some girl might be hot on TikTok with the blonde thing and the whole whatever, but like, you know, she's, she's gonna have things about her that aren't what you want because the standard for yourself is so high. So I think the mistake people make is they lower their standard because they don't even have a high standard for themselves. So I think you need to work to become, you know, what you'd want for someone that you love. Mm-hmm. So the things for men that I've witnessed, physical shape, which bleeds into mental health, and then like a good financial place. And I think- Muscles and money. Muscles and money. And not money because women want your money and all that, but like that gives you like the, the freedom to, right off the bat, you're in a place to, to do all those things that a good woman will appreciate and love holding the door open for her, taking her out to nice places, making her feel loved and appreciated. You don't need to be buying her Gucci bags and all kinds of gross materialistic things like that. Just wants to feel taken care of. Right. And women want that. I don't give a shit what people tell you. Women want to be taken care of. And that doesn't mean that you pay for all their things and that they're not capable of doing all those things on their own. There is not a woman in the world who's not going to get that warm feeling. Well, that's a lie because there's psycho women out there who think that this is an insult to them. But like, I mean, having a man hold a door open for you or beat you to the car and open that door for you is just like, that's what it, where it comes from. You know, you can, you can open a door for a woman knowing damn well she can do it for herself, but you do it anyway, because that's the right thing to do. And we all know that. So for me, 19 year old kid. You don't know where to start with women. Start with yourself. 
and aim for the type of man you'd want to see your future daughter with one day. And I don't think you can go wrong. The better the man you are, the better the women you'll attract. Boom. All right. What are, I guess, give me one answer for each of these because we're running out of time. Um, what is, what do you think we do well? What do you think that in our relationship, in our marriage now, that we excel at? Communication and telling the truth. I would say so. I think we're really good at that. And what do you think we still need work on? Communication and to know. <laughs> what do we still need work on? Having children. Well, yeah, we've spent like two months there, Killa. Keep forgetting we're married. It's so weird. It feels old. No one tells you when you get married, you start, you feel like you're old now. Um, I don't know. I don't, what do we not do well at? Um, I think we really crush pretty much like relationship wise. Like we do a pretty good job. I think so. Like, I don't know many, like we're pretty solid communication and telling the truth is so huge. Like Jordan Peterson, we went and saw him live the other night and he said he was asked a question. I don't remember what the question was, but it, his answer to it was telling that like for him and Tammy's relationship, him and his wife, non-negotiable from the very beginnings that they will always tell each other the truth. No matter like, and really tell the truth, like not just, I don't like that shirt on you. Like real truth. Yeah. And that's been since day one for them. And I think communication and being able to tell the truth and not leave that conversation until you feel better that you've accomplished something that you've both learned something being able to admit when you're wrong, you know, that's that sort of thing. It, it just, you can't do that enough in a relationship, but I, I don't know. I mean, what can we do better? I mean, you can put your stuff, you can put your dishes in the dishwasher. That'd be nice. <laughs> that's what I got you for. I got the dish. I got the dishwasher right here. What do I think we can do better? I don't know. Probably podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that remains to be seen. This could be, this could be a train wreck. I'm, I'm, I'm so used to technical difficulties that I'm waiting for us to finish this know, and you right? sit down and be I'm, like, well, we got to do that again. I know. Cause like some thing wasn't plugged in or something. No, it looks good. It's still recording. Like it's so. Going, so, all right. Well, we have gone on for two hours and I think it's two hours is long enough. Yeah. So, and we get to go eat protein ice cream. We have to eat protein ice cream. And so, yeah. So any closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. No, I'm just glad you never gave up and that you worked really hard. I'm just getting started. So just to recap your, your, your top five, what were the top five things that got you from 2018 Matt to 2023 Matt? Top whatever things that come to mind. Uh, physical health, personal responsibility. Um, I would say instead of personal responsibility, extreme ownership. Jacko baby. Uh, let me think. I would say top five is a lot of things. Yeah, that's why I said whatever top things come to mind for you. Um, 
Those are big ones. Yeah. You, obviously. And I don't know. My mind's completely blanking and I don't want to say that. I said protein ice cream and that's all you're thinking about now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, um, did it. We did it. We're going to wrap this up and then uh, we'll see. Hopefully there's no technical difficulties and we'll just be able to upload this and it'll be epic. So, um, yeah. Cool. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Wingapo. <laughs> we let a weird one sneak in at the that end. That was it. You did good. You went the whole podcast. I was saying something stupid. <laughs> <laughs>